0: This show has explicit language and mature themes. John, will you give me one of them classic licks? <laughs> Thanks, John. Oh, hey there. Welcome to the 25th episode of Dexplanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I look stuff up on Wikipedia, watch some YouTube about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. How's it going, David? Pretty good. Weather's been nice. It's yeah. good for my tomatoes. Right? Yeah. And uh, it's the first, like, in my opinion, big milestone for the show.
1: Yeah, exactly. 25
0: 25 is pretty good.
1: Were, I, I looked up what this was earlier today. You did. And I want to say it's Quadrincennial, sure. But I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's it doesn't sound appealing. No, it doesn't sound good at all. Uh,
0: yeah. Um. But yeah, so we do have. I do have a topic though. Oh. Well, uh. Really? Okay. <laughs> um, cool. What are we gonna learn about? We're gonna be talking about the uncanny valley.
1: Oh, nice. I love it. I love it. Okay.
0: Okay. So we'll start in 1970. We're in oh. Japan. There is a robotics professor and engineer named Masahiro Mori. And he was making robots, and uh, over the years, he was making them more and more human-like. And in 1970, he wrote about a relationship he had noticed between how positively people felt about the robots and how anthropomorphic or how human-like the robots were. Okay, yeah. So, And he wrote it in an article for a Japanese journal called Energy. Okay, it was like a peer-reviewed journal. Okay. Y- yeah, yeah, but it was pretty obscure. Okay. It's a pretty obscure journal. What was it called again? Uh, Energy. Energy. Yeah. I like the name. It has a, a great seat. name. Yeah. So he also he also made a graph about the Uncanny Valley. I've seen it, And yeah. it's based on it. That's why it's called the Uncanny Valley. Exactly,
1: because of the the dip yeah. in, that you see in so the, the graph. So
0: on the y-axis of the graph is how much people like the robot or thing. And on the x-axis, or the lengthwise axis, is how human-like the robot or thing
1: is. Right, like how similar to us it appears. Yeah,
0: so he said that up to a certain point, people feel more positively about robots with more human-like characteristics, but when his robots started to look quite human, but only quite, people started to feel more and more negative towards them. So you, he saw a reversal in yeah. people's uh, feelings like when he towards started it. When he started to put like human-looking skin on them and like human-looking eyes. Yeah, I bet the eyes, and especially the eyes, are very especially a big part of the uncanny valley. So the uncanny valley is a dip in our affinity to a robot or otherwise anthropomorphized thing as it starts to look more and more human.
1: Okay, yeah. So like we get more uncomfortable sometimes the more human-like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Unless it's like indiscernible whether or not it's human. Right. So if these uncanny or weird differences can be almost completely minimized, then you may finally start to see
1: people having more affinity for the thing again. Okay, right. So you see a second reversal. Yeah. Like, as you get more and more human-like, things actually start to get worse in terms of people's feelings towards it. And then eventually, they might actually get better again.
0: Yeah, once they start to look pretty much exactly like humans, then people will actually start to feel more emotionally involved with it. And it... The reason it's called the uncanny valley is cuz it looks like a valley on the graph.
1: Right, like you you see a, a dip. you see like a plateau and a ki- actually not a plateau it but kinda like of a slight up. rise and, uh, and a hill and then you see a sharp valley and then like a mountain on mm-hmm. the other side of that valley.
0: Yeah. And he also included different lines on the graph. So one was for animate objects and robots or ones that move and one was for inanimate objects like pictures and things that don't move. Okay, so he made
1: a couple of different graphs. Yeah,
0: yeah. And the slope for the animate or moving objects is much more sloping, and the valley is much more steep. So if it moves and is supposed to like be acting like human, then the uncanny valley is much more pronounced.
1: Okay, so like even behavior, like, yeah. uh, animate behavior gets into this whole uh, idea.
0: Yeah. So successfully crossing the uncanny valley, in my opinion... In robotics is kind of like passing the strictest version of the turing test
1: right like a visual one not just like uh not just uh the original idea of the turing test which was just being able to talk to something
0: yeah yeah we'll we'll hopefully eventually do a whole episode on the turing test but let's talk a little bit about it so it's eponymously named after alan turing who developed it in 1950 and we'll probably do a whole episode like i said But suffice it to say that a computer or a robot can pass the Turing test when the majority of people would not be able to tell if the machine is human or indeed a machine, but his test only includes inputs, like, text inputs such as chatbots. Right.
1: By today's standards, it's actually somewhat easy to pass the Turing test, and it's kind of an outdated test by a lot of ways. Yeah, it
0: is. Um, So, uh, as far as the Uncanny Valley, before Masahiro Mori, like... Freud, Darwin, and other people, historical people, actually describe something similar. For example, Darwin, when writing about a type of pit viper in The Voyage of the Beagle, he wrote, The expression of this snake's face was hideous and fierce. The pupil consisted of a vertical slit and a mottled and coppery iris. The jaws were broad at the base, and the nose terminated in a triangular projection. I do not think I ever saw anything more ugly, excepting perhaps some of the vampire bats. I imagine this repulsive aspect originates from some features being placed in positions with respect to each other somewhat proportional to the human face, and thus
1: we obtain a scale of hideousness. Wow, that was incredibly insightful for For its time, actually. like With the limited amount of evidence he had to go on, I mean, obviously, he was an insightful guy. Yeah, possibly obviously. one of the most insightful men in science. Um, But, like, that's really insightful to just yeah. recognize that, like, it actually looked a little bit more human than most snakes. And that made it more, more disgusting. disgusting, yeah. Like, the, the protrusion that, like, seemed like a nose. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, uh, and Freud wrote something about it, too, but I really don't like Freud, so I didn't even read
1: it. Yeah, I don't uh, blame you there. Like, I so, was kind of a fucking... Uh, chode. Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, the Uncanny Valley Whack. is, it's kind of a hard thing to study and show why it is the case. Um, and some people say the Uncanny Valley isn't a thing, but for most people like me, it just feels right. Yeah, yeah. I um,
1: mean, it, I, I think it's in a... Thing just in that so many people experience it emotionally Yeah, like if you've ever just seen like people putting dentures inside a teddy bear that yeah, even, yeah, like... that
0: was on the Vsauce video. Okay, like, yeah, uh, yeah, why creepiness is a thing.
1: Yeah, that I- even that can kind of incite uncanny valley. Like, what what would make human like teeth make a teddy bear any less adorable? Except that it makes it, it too human like,
0: kind of human, and yeah. that's fucking weird. It's disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, shiv- gives me the shivers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's um, and it's more valuable as an idea of aesthetics than as an idea of fact. Okay. And there are a lot of theories why the Uncanny Valley happens, but here are a couple of my favorites. So there is pathogen avoidance, which describes how we naturally avoid things that look sickly or natural as a way to avoid getting sick.
1: Especially if we assume that it's supposed to have certain patterns and features. Like, I think, it, yeah. like in sci-fi, there's a lot of examples of like, you know, uh, um, the Captain of the Enterprise. You know, maybe yeah, uh, getting yeah. it on with some aliens, and those aliens might look very different from humans, but that's okay because that's normal for them, mm-hmm. and so it bypasses that pathogen avoidance system. Well, and
0: yeah, they don't look so human that they look like they're supposed to be human. Yeah, but they don't just look aren't. sickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then another one I really like, as far as theories for it, is uh, conflicting perceptual clues. So it's like kind of a form of cognitive dissonance where we are trying to hold two things in our head simultaneously
1: right like human aspects and non-human yeah. aspects at the same time and that makes us uncomfortable
0: so yeah things look human and not human at the same time we have dissonance that makes us feel creeped out and this affects like a lot of things that are ambiguously human or things that intentionally try to hide emotion like masks i oh, think yeah, are really of fucking creepy yep like Halloween's coming up, and if you're at a party with me and you won't take off your mask, I'll say fuck you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I re- heard <laughs> really uh, that. A
1: couple of people came into our who workplace wearing just like um, not masks, but like bandanas around their face, and honestly, it makes me so uncomfortable. I kind of get a little bit aggressive and tell people to take that take it off. Like yeah. there's no reason to be around in public wearing that. Yeah. And in fact, you can't enter public buildings like a courthouse while wearing something like that, or a bank. Don't nope. don't even try. No. Nope put Absolutely a hood not. up you are going to dairy mart <laughs> 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 yeah why is that
0: hood up yeah um so also like it like affects like blurred faces or pixelated faces oh, look really like creepy yeah like or slender man. slender man yeah or like delocated those people look creepy yes with the voice modulation yeah yeah and it also affects like real looking dolls and real looking puppets. Yeah, that's very they true. They look extra creepy. There's a whole
1: horror series that kind of focused on a, a doll in fact, uh, and just with the fact that it looked creepy because of how human like it was. A lot of porcelain mm. dolls creep me the fuck out.
0: They do. They just ugh. clowns? I think clowns, clowns kind of fall into clowns that a little bit. Clowns totally do. Because they have the painted-on smile, but you have no fucking idea what that person's exactly. thinking. Exactly.
1: You can't actually read their emotions. And like so much of human communication is actually like eye-to-eye contact, reading people's emotions. Even if you're not actively thinking about it, you're picking up on so many subconscious clues. Yeah, they say, and when those are obviated it makes it really difficult to know how to they feel. A hundred
0: percent of language is nonverbal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, in your case maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh
0: no, they just really exaggerate that. <laughs> but uh nowadays the Uncanny Valley is a really big deal, especially in video games and computer animated movies. Like uh for example, in two thousand one they released the final fantasy The Spirits Within. I remember. Yeah. And they tried really, really hard to make it look super real.
1: Yeah. They almost looked real most of the time. Yeah. Almost. Like
0: they spent, they said they spent, or some people say they spent around 240 hours on each frame.
1: Oh my goodness. That's a movie. lot of production.
0: Yeah. But it didn't convince audiences. No. No. And it totally fell into the Uncanny Valley and people didn't like it and it lost 50 million, 50, uh, either Fifty million dollars or five hundred fifty thousand. I think okay. it's fifty million.
1: Yeah, fifty million sounds about right. If, especially yeah. if they're spending two hundred forty hours per frame. Yeah, they they that yeah, movie had so to have hard. a huge production budget. And I understand why. Like these were very human characters, but like you felt Just... this weird distance from them because they weren't at the same time. Yeah. Another
0: another great example is the Polar Express movie. Oh my goodness, that one was <laughs> creepy as it. hell. Seriously. And it was one of the first movies to ever actually use motion capture. Okay. And so they actually like created this thing that's very useful in order to like escape the Uncanny Valley, but then their animation just didn't match up with it. Yeah, dude, Tom Hanks still haunts my nightmares yeah. because of that and movie. And I swear Tom Hanks was every single fucking character. <laughs> he was. And kind of evil. Yeah. Like <laughs> <And kinda evil. laughs> you yeah. like, just like, it was, yeah. It was what bad. What are you doing with these kids? So yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> just leave those kids alone, Tom. Yeah. Hey. Stick Tom, to, stick to volleyballs. Leave those kids alone. Uh, so uh, and mo- the most modern example that's uh, easy to come by is Rogue One, when Carrie Fisher and Peter Cushing had their CGI roles as Princess Leia and uh, uh, Grandma Darth Tarkin. Tarkin. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as far as Carrie Fisher's, I don't know, did Peter Cushing die too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah.
0: So like they didn't really have much that they could do. But it still just sucked. And honestly, yeah, and they
1: did, they did their best, but like it was pretty obvious to anyone paying attention, like, yeah, and what I, was going I on. I heard a
0: lot of people just like didn't even like that movie at all because of those two. Oh man, characters. that's unfortunate.
1: I, I thought it was one of the more enjoyable Star Wars films I've ever seen. Yep, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Truth. Um. So
0: Pixar learned the hard way about the Uncanny Valley in their first project, called Tin Toy. It was a 1988 short film. And there was, like, a baby that was, like, walking around. It was named Billy. But the baby was, like, really, really fucking creepy. Yep, I remember it. And also, like, it was, like, I don't know. I just barely watched it for the first time. And the baby was like all falling down and like putting its head in bags, and there was no adults around at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was that's like, the eighties for you. Yeah, like that was really. I mean, the baby did look creepy, but <laughs> like <laughs> that wasn't the worst part of the short film in my in my opinion. It was like all the choking hazards <laughs> and all the animate toys that were just hiding under the bed. Oh, even interacting with the baby. Yeah, it was like, like Toy Story, but a horror movie. Yeah. It was it like was, that
1: one scene in Toy Story 1 where all the the, the crazy Frankenstein toys come out, except that yeah, was the entire short film. Was the entire, yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, pretty much everything Pixar, Pixar does now, they use exaggerated features in order to be on the less human-like side of the uncanny valley right a lot like Like anime like i feel like animes and mangas
1: figured that out a while ago like don't try to go too human with it and as you and, and as you've seen like if you've been a fan of animes for a while um, like as you've, as they've progressed, the characters have become less and less human, more and more stylized yeah. in order to get around that because we actually s- sympathize and empathize with those characters more because they look less human. Yeah, like a, and they have exaggerated features like big eyes that we can, you know, like a great example
0: into. is Wally. Like Wally was so cute because he had like human-like features a little bit, but only a little bit. Yeah, and like Everyone just loves enough. Wally. Yeah, he just like and he was able to show emotion without having like human-like movements. Yeah, and he didn't have
1: a big old weird like lips and a human grin and like yeah,
0: yeah, and like the Incredibles like is also like that like where they didn't exactly. try to make it photorealistic. And in my opinion, BB-8's lighter thumbs up in The Force Awakens was one of the cutest things I've ever seen.
1: That's yeah, that's actually a great example.
0: Yeah. So here are some ways to avoid the uncanny valley. Pick one side of the valley and fucking get it right. Yeah. Like,
1: and it's easier to pick the less human-like side of the valley. Right. Right. Of course, because the the other side of the valley is like, if you look at the graph, it's like I said, it's a mountain. It's a very narrow. Um, it's ultra realism yeah it's ultra realism so you have to be putting in an enormous amount of effort and And computing power yeah and computing power and honestly is it worth it
0: yeah so we're actually just barely now getting to the point where video games and movies are successfully crossing the uncanny valley with um, um better facial animations and motion captures being utilized and they require like a lot of money in movie studio level production.
1: Yeah. I feel like, uh, for instance, Mass Effect, the Mass Effect series put a lot of effort just into the dialogue chains. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they wanted their characters to look very human uh, when talking to each other. And they put a lot of pr- their production budget into just conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, that's why I'm excited about Red Dead about. I can't stop talking about Red Dead because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be like that. But uh, the last thing I have to talk about in the Uncanny Valley is uh, ethical futurist and writer James Cascio talks about a second Uncanny Valley or a transhuman Uncanny Valley when humans start to have like implants for improved features like memory and stuff. If they're like obvious, they will can be expected to draw human revulsion. Right. To draw like revulsion and disgust. Right. Of course, it seems unnatural. Yeah. But that's part of the second the second transhuman uncanny valley because eventually they can become so discernible from humans that they can actually start to be recognized as non human again. Okay, yeah. And so that we can like start to have more affinity for them again.
1: Right. We have like a second we have a separate category in which they fit into. And so like it doesn't become unnatural anymore. Now it's it's just completely unnatural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, but I mean, I think that's pretty much all I got on the Uncanny Valley. Yeah. You got anything else you want?
1: Um, no, not really. I got, uh, uh, I got quite a few asides
0: in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good. It was fun. Um, so yeah, that's it for this episode. Dexplanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash dexplanations. No one's got no one has gotten there and made me got a tattoo yet, but I'm still trepidatiously looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually want to take a break here and thank you for coming along and being a listener of the show. It means a bunch to me and for the show. It's getting bigger and it's all thanks to you. Thanks for the comments, reviews, likes and shares. Here's to twenty five hundred more episodes. Likely, I got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or if you want to clarify something we went over, Hit me up at podcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram or the Reddit. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. We only grow with word of mouth, so please tell someone to subscribe. Oh, and as for you, you're cute as a button. Actually, you're way cuter than a button. Buttons are only marginally cute. Bye now. We have a Reddit? You didn't know that? Yeah, I made a Reddit. No one's ever posted anything on there except me.
1: Oh, I'm a bad listener.